Well, it's good to be here again tonight, and um, we are going to try to finish up chapter 6 tonight, um, just the last 12, 12 through 20, the last verses uh, of chapter 6 of 1 Corinthians. Uh, the title on my section in my Bible is, The Body is the Lord's. And um, so I wanna, we want to talk about that tonight. I'm glad there's no children here tonight, <laughs> but we're, we're going to talk about this tonight a little bit. And I wanted to, you know, Paul has been talking to the Corinthians about a lot of things. They've had a lot of problems. And one of the things I know that he's talked about early is the wisdom of God versus the wisdom of man and the wisdom of the world. Um, Oh, that we would listen to God and that we would um, trust him. You know, God, some people have the picture of God as being a, a cosmic policeman that's just waiting for you to make a mistake. But I want to I want to tell you from Scripture from the beginning to the end, and we'll see this tonight, that God wants the best for you. And I hope you believe that. That God wants the very best for you. He's not out to get you. He's not out to catch you in a mistake. He gives us instructions for our good and not our harm. And he gives us, he gives us the truth that if we live by the truth and the wisdom of God, and if we would do that consistently, all of us, and I, you know, all of us, we would be much happier people. I think we'd be more pleasant people <laughs> probably a lot of times. But if we would just live according to the wisdom of God, he's talked to them about many things here. If they would just listen to God. The Bible tells us in James, if you, act, if you lack wisdom, understanding of the truth about what's best for you, ask God. And you know what the promise is? He'll give it to you, not just give it to you, he'll give it to you in abundance if you ask correctly and humbly. It also says in the book of James that we should hear that word of wisdom from God and not just hear it, but be doers of the word of God and to be obedient to God's word. And oh, that we would trust him and think everything written here is for my good, not to suppress me, not to harm me, but it is the best plan ever. And God is wise enough to give me that if I would only trust him in all these things. And we all have temptations and we all have times that we go astray. But if we would just go back to the word of God and hear it and do it, I think we'd be better off. I want to begin tonight in, uh, in Genesis chapter 1. Genesis chapter 1. Verse, we'll just read um, two verses here, 27 and 28. Well, let's go back to 26, because this is important too. Then God said, verse 26 of Genesis chapter 1, Then God said, Let us make man in our image, according to our likeness. And let them rule over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the sky and over the cattle and over all the earth and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, 
he created them. Enough said there. If we would only today listen to the wisdom of God. God blessed them. And God said to them, be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth and subdue it and rule over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the sky and over every living thing that moves on the earth. And then down in verse 7 of chapter 2, kind of repeats this or gives a, another, some more information. Then the Lord God formed man of dust from the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and man became a living being. And from dust we came, and God formed us. And I just, I read that a lot of times, and I imagine that day that God took that dust and he formed it into a, a man, flesh and blood and heart and brain, but it wasn't alive. It was just a form. And God breathed life into him. And he became a living man. And then he took that man and he had him into a deep sleep and he took one of his ribs and that rib was bone and flesh of that man and he formed it into a woman. And that was just a form. And God breathed life into that form. And the first man and woman, the first couple, the first marriage, whatever you would say, in the wisdom of God was formed. God made us his creation, and we could look through the creation. We read part of it already, but this we could look through there. And you know, at the end of everything, and we stress this with the kids in our Good News Club, or our ABC Kids. I keep going back to that. I'm sorry about that. Our ABC Kids Club. Muscle memory in my tongue. What do you know? <laughs> everything that God made was what? Good. Good and perfect. And it all, and this is going to be important. It all belonged to him. God is the creator. In wisdom and power and might. Oh, if we'd only trust his plan and his purpose in, in, in life and in, in living. And what Paul has been talking to the Corinthians about, and I think can talk to us today, is as we live in a fallen world and sin is in our lives, and there's that battle every day, to listen to the wisdom and the word of God and to follow it and to follow it wholeheartedly with zeal in our lives and to live for him and to trust his word and to trust that his goodness is for us and not against us. And his plan is better than ours and his wisdom is higher than ours because his thoughts are higher than ours. If we would simply listen to that, we would be far better off. And Paul has been talking to these folks about progressive sanctification. They have been saved. They have believed the gospel. And when they trusted Christ as their savior, they were given a new nature. It was like, it was like what we just read. Here, was, here, here we are, born, I like to say we're born DOA, dead on arrival. Born dead in our trespasses and sins. Born separated from God. And when we get the opportunity or God calls us to himself and he presents the gospel and God by his spirit quickens our heart. Do you know what God does? He breathes life into us again. And we, like the beginning, and we read in Genesis, we then have a new nature. And the best part is, 
We belong to God. And he doesn't want your harm. He wants the best for you and me. And in his wisdom, he has written us a manual called the Word of God. And in here is wisdom and insight and and correction and warning and all of those things for you and I for our good. Because you and I are his possession. And we're going to talk a little bit tonight in this passage. I'm glad he read read out of Hosea because... I've been reading in Ezekiel. And you know what? God is jealous for his possession. You know why? Because he loves you and I. And to him, like the, you can look through many places in Israel's history and the Jews, and God says, why have you played the harlot with me? Why have you left the path that I've called you on? Why have you forsaken my wise ways and my trust you have forsaken and my wisdom to chase after things that will do you harm? And he's a jealous God. And he many times likens their sin to following idols, to following other things, to being a harlot or entering fornication and forsaking the God that loves them and that they belong to. In the 1960s and 70s, the sexual revolution began. I think it started a long time before that. But the sexual revolution began. And out of that revolution came man's wisdom. Man's wisdom. Sex outside of marriage. The pill. Public nudity. Pornography premarital sex, homosexuality, and abortion was not far on its heels. And out of all of that, people were told, you have free love. What foolishness of the world. In that freedom, they reaped lies, disease, stealing, cheating, Killing, bitterness, hatred, slander, gospel, gossip, and unforgivingness. All of those things came out of free love and the sexual revolution. God had a better plan. God had a purpose and a plan and man sinned and sinned into the world. In fact, we could go right to James and says, if you, if you hear the word of God, don't just hear it, but be doers. Only if Adam and Eve would have listened to the word of God and done it. They took mankind astray and sin entered the world and all kinds of evil entered the world. And God has wisdom and insight for us in his word. And Paul wants these folks in in Corinth to listen to God's word, to live a life that is pleasing to God, that to live a life because they are God's possession. If they have trusted Christ as their savior to live a life that is honoring to God and glorifying to God. But basically Because God has first loved them and called them to himself, and they belong to Jesus. They belong to God, and they are not their own, and they are to follow hard after God. Well, as we begin tonight, we're just going to read through this and make a few comments on these verses. Um, 
and we'll just talk about these things that are maybe sometimes hard to talk about, but God has a plan for us, and we'll see that God not only had a plan of redemption from the beginning to save us from our sins and to save our souls for eternity to be with him, but I believe we'll see tonight something amazing that God also in this plan has a plan to redeem our bodies. And that's, it belongs to him. We've seen that already to redeem us. And we'll see a couple of applications of this in the end. Let's go to our scripture. We're just going to read through this and we're going to make a few comments on these things tonight. The body is the Lord's. Paul has already talked about in the beginning. He said the title of our sermon tonight is do you not know? Because six times in this chapter, he says, do you not know? In fact, up there in chapter in verse two, he says, do you not know that we are saints and that saints as saints, we will judge the world. Someday we will judge the world with Christ. Christ is the ultimate judge, but we will be co-heirs with him. And in some capacity, he says, do you not know, saints, that you will one day judge the world? And he's been talking about going before the world's wisdom of courts and taking people to court and arguing over small things. And he also says, do you not know that we'll also judge angels, the created beings of God, that one day we as saints, when we co-reign with Christ and we are under his authority and his perfect world in heaven that we will live there forever, that we will not only judge the world, but we will judge angels. What that means, whether it's the fallen angels, a lot of people say one or the other, or just the angels have some type of authority, but we will do that. It says right here. And then down lower, he says, and do you not know, since we are saints and since we have been given all of this freely by God, and he's talked earlier about the Holy Spirit living within us, and we are temples of the Holy Spirit. Do you not know, he says, that the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God? So he says, don't be deceived by the world's wisdom and by the world's plan and by the world's paths. Don't be deceived by those things. For the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God. Neither fornicators, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor effeminate, nor homosexuals, nor thieves, nor the covetous, nor drunkards, nor revilers, nor swindlers will inherit the kingdom of God. Do you not know that they will not? But he says, such were some of you. You used to be that. But now you belong to Jesus and God wants you to walk a path according to his wisdom, according to his plan. Don't you know that? And God wants you. God wants the best for you. You've been washed. You've been cleaned. You've been regenerated, brought back to life. You've been sanctified and you will be continued to be sanctified because the Holy Spirit lives within us and leads us along the path and gives us insight into God's word and the wisdom that we should live by. You were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and in the spirit of our God. And so all of those things being, he says, all things in verse 12. And our first point there is um, sexual sins, or he's going to talk about that, are harmful. He says, all things are lawful or permitted for me. But not all things are profitable or are for my good. All things are lawful for me, but I will not be mastered by anything. Or that word mastered means ruled by anything. We are not to be living in sin. We have been set free from works righteousness. We have been set free from worry. We have been given hope. We have been given the promises of God. And it says all things are lawful to me. All things are lawful to me. That doesn't mean all things are profitable to me. And Paul's going to talk later in Corinthians about just things that seem every day like food. 
And some people have been offended by eating food that has been offered to idols. And he's going to say, here's a better plan. Love your neighbor rather than yourself. If it causes my brother to stumble, even though that food might be profitable for me, if it causes my brother to stumble, then I will not eat it. God has a better plan for us to care for one another and love one another. And so he says, all things are lawful, but not all things are profitable. All things are lawful for me, but I will not be ruled or mastered by anything. Sexual sins are harmful. Just like, just like drugs, maybe even a little bit worse, we'll see later, or alcohol or other things, they can grab into you and master you or be ruling over you. And he says, don't be ruled or mastered by anything. He said, I serve the Lord and I don't want to be ruled by anything. Anything can be an addiction. And, you know, I was, I was looking up some statistics. We're not going to go through all those. But today in our society, pornography is a big thing. Not just outside the church. It's a big thing. And it masters and it, it puts its hooks in and it drags people down into the mud and the dirt and away from God all the time. We could look to the story in the Old Testament of Joseph in Potiphar's house. He could have, he could have said, who would know? He could have said, what does it matter? God has forsaken me. I'm here as a slave. But he gave us a great example. You know what he did? He ran from that. He ran from that. He's going to talk later about flee from fornication. Flee from those things. So be aware that they're there and be aware that they're a temptation, that they want to master you or put you under their thumb and, and rule over you and, and get you into habitual sin. But don't be fooled by the world's temptation. In those things, in those things are harmful things for your life and for your body and for your testimony and for all kinds of things. They are not from God. They are harmful things. He says, I, all things are lawful for me, but not all things are profitable for me. Sexual sins can control and get our hooks in and master over us. He says, he gives an example here because some of the people, you know what the teaching was? My soul can be saved. My body doesn't really matter. He's going to try, he's going to talk about this, about food. They'll say, because God saves our souls, the body really doesn't matter. It's kind of like this. Food is for the stomach and the stomach's for food, but they'll both be eliminated. So what does it matter? They're just separate. They're not, they're indifferent. And in, in different things, we can, we can make choices that are pleasing to God and that are profitable for our brothers and sisters in Christ. That are profitable for them and not harm them. So they were teaching that, oh, the body doesn't really matter what you do with the body. It does matter what you do with the body. Because the body is the Lord's. And we're going to see that. He created us in his image. He created us for a purpose and a plan. And we'll see that here in a second. So it is important. So he says... Food is for the stomach, and stomach is for the food, but God will do away with both of them. Yet the body is not for immorality. So there are indifferent things, indifferent things that we can make choices on. And the choice, the better choice that God would have us make is to not care about our own interests, like Paul talks about in Philippians chapter 2. He said, don't look out after your own interests, but look out after others in front of yourself. Care for others more than yourself. Love your neighbor as yourself. And so he says, food's for the stomach and the stomach is for food, but God will do away with both of them. Yet the body is not for immorality, but for the Lord. And the Lord is for the body. The Lord made our body. 
The Lord created us. Um, it destroys the purpose of God. It destroys what God has planned for us. And it says, now God has not only raised up the Lord, but he will also raise us up through his power. Jesus Christ died, buried, and risen from the grave. And one day, we are told in Scripture that you and I, our body, will be raised. We'll have a new body, a glorified body. But, you know, Jesus is in heaven today, still with the scars on his hands. And the side, there's the sword spear went into his side and the, the spikes went through his feet. He still is with those scars. Our body will be resurrected. God saves not just the soul, but he saves the whole of man. I think that's why Paul talked a lot about he wanted to present those that he had led to the Lord one day complete. Complete in their spirit, following after the Lord, and complete in their body, using their bodies to glorify the Lord, not to cause shame to him or to harm their own bodies. God says, the whole of man I'm saving. He raised up the Lord Jesus Christ, and one day you and I will be raised to new life, with a new body in heaven as saints. That's, that's going to be a glorious day, isn't it? Amen. When God calls us to himself. And you know, you think about, we, were, we had some friends over for lunch yesterday. And we were talking about how small sometimes we think God is. And just, just look up at the sky. And you'll just see the vastness of God. And I think about this, I think about this this week. You know, but what about the guy that was lost at sea? God knows where his body is. He'll raise that up. What about the one who's cremated? God can form a new body. He'll raise him up. He knows where he's at. What about the one who uh, is lost and never found in the mountains somewhere underneath a pile of uh, avalanche? God knows right where he is. If he's his, he'll raise him up. And he'll raise all up. God is capable of anything. Oh, that we would, oh, that we would understand the vastness and the might of God. And beyond that, that might and that power and that sovereignty, that we would understand the great goodness of our God and how much he loves us. And trust him unquestioning with all that he tells us in his word and all that he's done for us. And he says in here... These things, God will raise up the Lord and he will raise us up through his power. The, the food, the stomach, those things will be done away with. But our body will be given a new body and we'll be given immortality with him one day when he raises us up because he has raised the Lord Jesus Christ. He is the first fruits. He is the, he is the hope. He is the, he is the one that came and died and didn't sin. And he will be raised up and we will be raised up one day with him through his power. That is God's plan. Our body belongs to the Lord as our soul belongs to him if we've trusted him. Do you not know that your bodies are members of Christ? Shall I then take away the members of Christ and make them members of a prostitute? May it never be. I don't know if there's young people on the air tonight, but I want to speak to young people today a little bit. The world today tells you that have safe sex or it's okay, it's everybody's doing it or whatever they might say. But there is a, there is a wisdom and there is a mystery 
beyond what we really under, can understand. And in that, in that intimacy is like unto our intimacy with God. That's what it's likened to. We are to be joined to the Lord Jesus Christ. We are in him. We are part of the body of Christ. We are part of that universal church, but we are in Christ. In fact, Paul talks about it. I I am in Christ. I can do all things. I am in Christ. What is the world? And these things matter to me. I am in him. And God has us as his possession, as his precious possession. And when we play As the Israelites did, the harlot against him, God takes it very seriously. And there is a union that God created from the beginning with Adam and Eve. That I just want to tell you today, if there are young folks listening, that that plan and that purpose and that correctness has not changed. And there is only one standard and God is the standard for that. And God's wisdom is correct. And so the world will tell you all kinds of things. But like Joseph in Potiphar's house, run from those things. Run from those things. They are damaging and they are hurtful. And there was a bond there that, that, that brings heartache for years. If we indulge in those things. There is a, there is a bond there that, that is not mystical, but it's some biological, but it's also designed by God to be that way. And let's not deviate from the wisdom of God and his plan and purpose for not only our eternity, but for our sexuality today. And the world will tell you all kinds of things today. Do you know that the homosexual community has identified? I think it's an I don't even know where they come up with this stuff. The world's wisdom is so stupid. It's 900 types of genders. No, there's two. I'll tell you how stupid scientists are today that, that aren't believers. I read this week that they've decided when the human race is going to become extinct, they figured it out. We only have 250 million years left. And I, I'm, I'm worried already. The wisdom of God is wiser than men. Do not use your bodies because they are members of Christ. Shall we take away the members of Christ and make them members of a prostitute? May it never be. Our body is a member of the body of Christ. Do you not know these things? It tells us plainly in first Thessalonians. I'm going to turn there just real quick. First Thessalonians chapter four. Um, For this is the will of God. And the will of God is wisdom, too. For this is the will of God, your sanctification. That is, that you abstain from sexual immorality. That each of you know how to possess his own vessel in sanctification and honor. Not in lustful passions, not like the Gentiles who do not know God. And that no man transgress and defraud his brother in the matter because the Lord is the avenger of all things. Just as we also told you before and solemnly warned you. You know, Paul could say here to the Thessalonians as he says to the Corinthians, do you not know these things? He had taught here for quite a while and he told them these things and he taught them these things. He was reminding of these things, but I think he just wanted them to stay close to God and wanted them to realize what they were 
they, what kind of fire they were playing with and how far they were, were from God's heart and how far they were from the closeness and fellowship with God. Do you not know, he says in verse 15, that your bodies are members of Christ? Shall I then take away the members of Christ and make them members of a prostitute? May it never be. Or do you not know that the one who joins himself to a prostitute is one body with her? For he says the two shall become one in flesh. That is the union that God designed. That is the union that God designed from the very beginning of creation when he said, go subdue the earth and be fruitful and multiply. Under God's wisdom and God's plan, there's a special union there that happens between husband and wife. And that union is even more precious and special when we trust Christ as our Savior and we become one with him, part of the body of Christ, his possession. And we are to use our bodies for his glory, not for our own pleasure, not for the lust of the world, not for the the pleasures of the world that are just for today. But God has a better plan for you and I to both honor him and glorify him and to snatch some from the fire and to tell them the gospel truth that God loves them more than the world, that God has a better plan and a better purpose for them. And the world's plan and the world's path ends up in hell away from God. There's only heartache following man's plan. You are belong. You belong to Jesus. And he says, God's plan has always been the two shall become one flesh and they shall be joined together. But the one who joins himself to the Lord is one in spirit with him. He's already said that he's going to say that here at the end. Don't don't you know that the Holy Spirit lives within you? I read one commentator this week. He said how awful it would be to come into the Lord's sanctuary and do something immoral like use our bodies for the wrong things. And yet, if we've trusted Christ as our Savior, we are that temple of God because the Holy Spirit's presence dwells within us, abides within us, lives within us every day. And we belong to him. Do you not know, he says, do you not know, verses 15 through 18, the one who joins himself to the Lord is one with him. Flee immorality, he says, The one who joins him is the one who believes the gospel. The Lord is one spirit with him. Flee immorality. Every other sin that a man commits is outside the body, but the immoral man sins against his own body. Not only do we sin against the Lord, but we sin against ourselves by using our bodies for the wrong purpose and the wrong reason. The body is the temple of the Holy Spirit. and He lives within us and He said, we harm not only our spirit, but we grieve the Holy Spirit that lives within us. We harm ourselves when we do these things, run from these things. And he again says, or do you not know that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have from God? That's an amazing statement there, too. Jesus talked about that. He said, when I'm going back, I'm going back to heaven, he told the disciples. And it's to your advantage that I would go, because if I don't go, then I can't send the helper. And the Holy Spirit came. And we live in an age, not like the Old Testament, where the Holy Spirit came. And when we believe and trust in Jesus as our Savior and we, we receive the gospel message and we trust by faith in Christ as our Savior, the Holy Spirit takes up residence in us and he will not leave. That's his promise. And we are part of the temple of God. We are part of the body of Christ because the Holy Spirit lives within us. Your body is the temple. 
the Holy Spirit who is in you and you have that from God as a gift. It's not it's not anything that you've earned, anything that you've worked up enough good works to earn. you. I've got enough stripes on my chest. I've got the Holy Spirit now. No, the Holy Spirit whom you have from God and that you are not your own. There it is. You are not your own. Now I belong to Jesus. And oh, if we trust the wisdom of God and say, the Lord's with me everywhere I go, every step I take, every move I make. That sounds like a song somewhere. That God is with us everywhere we go, living in us. And he has a wise and a wonderful path for us to trot upon because he loves you. And he wants you to flee the things that are separate from him that will harm you. He, he's for you and for your good. And he wants the best for us. And you know what the best is? I'll tell you what the best is for you and I. We sometimes think it, it's homes and we sometimes think it's a bank account or all kinds of things. You know, you can, you can, you can buy that message on the Internet or on TV anywhere you want probably these days. But the best thing for us is the presence of Jesus. That's the best thing for us. And that's what God wants. That's why he came. You know, that's why he came and died. So he could, he could buy us with his own blood. He's going to talk about that. So that what? That we could be with him and enjoy him forever. And we, we sell it short, or the world sells it short in pleasures for today instead of for eternity. The body is the temple of the Holy Spirit. For you have been bought with a price. You've been bought with a price. We looked at that, at, and I think it was in First Peter last week. This price that God paid was more precious than stones or diamonds or rubies or silver or gold. This price is more precious, far more precious than that. This price that he's talking about is the blood of our Savior shed on the cross for you and I. You've been bought with the price of Christ's own blood. His own life blood was given so that we could be saved from sin. Therefore, glorify God in your body. Use your body to glorify God. It's important what you know and think and understand, but it's also very important what you do and how you live. If we would listen, not only, only be hearers of the word, but be doers of the word. In conclusion, uh, in conclusion, I wanted to just uh, look for a second, just one verse in Romans chapter 8, uh, just to solidify that. Romans chapter 8, uh, let me see if I can find it here. Um, yes, verse 23. And he, talks about, he talks about up here from 15, For you have received not the spirit of slavery or being mastered by those things, leading to fear, but you have received the spirit of adoption as sons, by which we cry out, Abba, Father. The Spirit himself testifies with our spirit that we are children of God. And if children, heirs, heirs of God and fellow heirs with Christ, if indeed we suffer with him so that we may also be glorified with him. For I consider the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory that is to be revealed to us. For the anxious longing of creation waits eagerly for the revealing of the sons of God. For the creation was subjected to futility, not willingly, but because of him who subjected it in hope. That the creation itself also will be set free from its slavery to corruption into the freedom of the glory of the children of God. For we 
know that the whole creation groans and suffers the pains of childbirth together until now. And not only this, but also we ourselves having the first fruits of the Spirit given to us. We just read about that. Even we ourselves groan within ourselves, waiting eagerly for our adoptions as son, the redemption of our body and soul. One day to be with him. No longer slaves to flesh, but we are slaves to righteousness, to God. Honor God with your body. It belongs to him. It belongs to him. And I think this last application is a point that the church in America needs to hear today. And I think we all need to hear this maybe a little bit today. Um, We share the gospel to see souls saved. And go good. You're saved Go on your way. Have a nice life. But we need to be concerned with our fellow man in body. Does he need food? Does he need clothing? Does he need a place to stay? Sometimes we just are concerned with the gospel presentation and, oh, he believed. And there might be a need there. Body and soul, be concerned with the whole of man. Because the whole of man will be redeemed one day the redemption of our soul and our body. It's important today how you use your body. Flee immorality, Paul says. Flee fornication. You know where the best place to run is? Run straight toward Jesus. Run straight to your Bible. There's the wisdom we need. God is for us, not against us. He wants the best for you and I. And he wants the best not only for us for eternity, but he wants the best for your body to be used for his glory and honor today. Father in heaven, we thank you for this time together tonight. Thank you for um, this passage and for the time we can spend together in your word together. Um, Help us, Lord, to glorify you in all we say, in all we do, in all of life. Let us use the parts of our body, our tongue, our arms, our legs, the parts that you have given to us that all belong to you for your glory and honor. And we'll give you the praise. Help us with these things. In Christ's name we pray. Amen.